0: I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And
1: I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And
0: you're you're listening listening to Rad Rad
1: Child Child Podcast. Podcast.
0: Great. So this month we're talking a little bit about mental health um, and specifically focusing on depression and anxiety. And this week we're looking into our favorite books about depression. Um, This was... I know like for, for me personally, um, I, we were talking, um, off the air earlier about how I think every single one of these books made me cry. <laughs> it's just, like such a personal, like, um, connection to this topic because my, my wife suffers from chronic depression and I've, uh, I don't suffer from chronic depression, but I've had, um, depression before. And, uh, so definitely like every book I was like, Oh, this is so good. <laughs> That's, I feel like it's funny. Like my wife and I joke, she she teases me that like that's how I determine whether or not I like something. Like if it makes me cry, I'm like it was good. Yeah,
1: it <laughs> like I was you. moved by it. You know, it was powerful. Mm-hmm. Although that can be manipulated. And I'm looking at you, last season of Lost.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway,
1: we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs>
0: that'll be uh, yeah, that'll be a bonus episode. <laughs> our feelings about the last season of Lost. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so I guess we can just jump right into it. I was actually kind of surprised um, before I did like a lot of my research. There was one book um, that I really knew that I liked, which I've talked about before, which is The Princess and the Fog by Lloyd-Jones, which I'm not going to go into today because I've talked about it for another topic. Um, but that was sort of always my my go-to for, for depression. And so when I was doing research, I was like when I first started doing research, I was finding a lot of books about, I had the same problem with anxiety as well, where it was a lot of books about like when I'm worried or when I'm sad and I'm like, okay, but being sad is different than being depressed. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: And so I, I thought I was actually going to have a lot of trouble finding books and then I ended up finding so many that I liked. I'm so sorry. I have three books today, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but which is a good thing, right. That I, you know, that I found so many wonderful ones. Absolutely. Um, and not even including The Princess in the Fog. Um, so I'm really, I'm really thrilled that people are starting to take this seriously as a topic that does affect kids. Because kids, I mean, have, you know, people in their lives with depression. Kids can suffer from depression. Um, you know, and so I think that it's a really, it's an important topic. And I'm glad that we're starting to, like, talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so my... My first book that I want to talk about is aptly called A Kid's Book About Depression. Um, there's a publisher called A Kid's Book About, uh, and they're they're really wonderful. They have books about all kinds of really cool things. They have one about depression and anxiety. They have a free one that you can get about COVID-19 um, that is in my giant list of, of books about COVID-19. Um, they have one about feminism. I mean, things, things like uh, all, all those kinds of things a lot of the topics that we talk about, to be honest, um, Mm -hmm. but they even have topics like a kid's book about money. I'm like, I want to know what that book's about. (laughs) I'm kind of interested. (laughs) (laughs) That's right at my Um, level. um, Yeah. Right. Seriously. Uh, It probably is about my level of maybe you can give me some banking advice. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Budgeting advice. But anyway, um, yeah, they have a lot of really good books and about a lot of those kinds of similar topics that we talk about. So um, I definitely checked them out but anyway the, so the one about depression they're all by different authors uh, and this one is by uh, Kylia McLavin McLavin? no I'm making name, up names Kylia Micklevain there we mm-hmm. go sometimes I just add letters where they're not like you do. Um, and uh, and there actually is what's kind of unique about these books is there are no illustrations. Um, so there is no illustrator for this book, they're just words, and sometimes the words are kind of used as art. Um,
1: Right, there's kind of like a graphic, like a graphic style. Yes,
0: there's, yes, there's a very, so it's not just words on a blank page, Um, and I will, I'll get into that a little more later, but anyway, so, and as I mentioned, the publisher is a kid's book about, is the name of the publishing company, Um, and it's kind of funny, I was talking about this earlier with my wife, but like, I literally, ty- I only know about this publishing company because of the book they released about COVID. And I had asked people about books for COVID and, and therefore found this one. But I literally was typing into Google, a kid's book about depression, like a kid's book, depression, right? And this w- would not show up. Hmm. And I'm just like the algorithms and like what you have to do to get your stuff to show up on Google is so bizarre to me. Right. Um, but like, you know, to, to be the fact that you know, all these different topics, you know, they have all these great books and they're so hard to find unless you know about, know about them. Um, I found really, you know, just like sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so basically the book goes through, it's, uh, it's kind of unique in that it's the author just talking to the reader. So it starts out saying like, hi, my name is Kylie and I have depression. Mm. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's interesting in that, in that way. And, and it, you know, sort of goes, it talks direct to the kid saying, have you ever heard the word depression before, right? It might sound new and strange or even scary, but it's actually something a lot of people have. And it just sort of goes on to talk about, you know, how she has depression and, you know, um, sort of her her experiences with that. And it sort of explains the sensation as um, being trapped in a fog that I couldn't see through clearly. And I thought it was interesting because we have that same imagery in The Princess and the Fog of like... Mm -hmm being in a you know in a fog and I know like that's how my wife describes you know some days like that as well as like being foggy and so I thought it was interesting that that imagery is like consistent Um, and you know so it just sort of goes and talks about how you know doing uh, things that usually were fun weren't really fun anymore and um, you know feeling feeling lonely and scared so talking about some of the feelings and like we were saying like there's the the sort of graphic design style is really interesting so like there's a page that says and sometimes i didn't feel even when i wanted to but like feel takes up the whole page you know it's like m- made in a way that shows the emphasis on the words i don't know it's really interesting um like the that choice is really interesting because when i think of pictures book picture books i think of pictures <laughs> you know what i mean right um But anyway, so it goes through and uh, just sort of talks about that experience. And um, it talks about the feelings of being useless, wrong, bad, lonely, scared, invisible. Um, And it's funny, I read this to my wife earlier and she was like, I feel attacked. She's like, this is all very on point.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And it talks about just like, you know, the uh, feeling like you're the only one, right? And then it it sort of shifts to, again, talking to the kids and being like, have you ever felt this way? Like, there's a wall separating you from everyone else. Like, you can't be happy no matter how hard you try. Like, and it goes through a couple of examples. um, And, you know, they explain that that's depression. And depression is a a disorder that causes the brain to feel sad, discouraged, and lonely. Um, And I I like that they talk about that, you know, it has to do with your brain, right? It's not just being sad. Um, And, you know, it talks about, she talks about her experience of basically you know, getting sort of to the boiling point at one point, it's not uh, the words that she uses, but, you know, at, at one point, you know, just getting very upset and talking to someone about it and how talking, you know, helped, helped her feel better. Um, and, you know, then she wasn't alone anymore, because she had talked to someone about it. And so then it sort of shifts to talking about, like, I didn't know exactly what I needed, but I knew I needed help. Um, and help looked a little bit like this, meeting with a doctor, letting myself feel, talking to others, giving myself a break, trying medicine, doing things I loved again, not having to be alone. So it gives those examples um, that I really like. And then it says, you know, if you ever feel like this, um, this is what help might look like for you. And gives some more examples about like talking with someone you feel safe with, talking with a counselor, um, letting others take care of you, helping others in need, trying medicine. Um, and I, I appreciate that there's, you know, different options. Like it's not a one size fits all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's not like, well, you have depression. You need to go talk with a counselor right now, (laughs) right? Like it gives all those different options, which I really like. And then, so my favorite, this is the part that made me cry. My favorite line from this book is, when I got help, something amazing started happening. Sharing about my depression took the bricks from the walls built around my heart and turned them into a bridge, a bridge back to me. I was just like, (laughs) oh, i really mm-hmm. liked that imagery so it's interesting because even though there's no pictures there's a lot of imagery in this book um and so it just sort of goes through goes through all of that and then at the end it says well, you know so now when i start to feel depressed i remember i'm not alone tell someone how i'm feeling do things that make me happy and ask for help and something actually interesting about the um uh, graphic design that I didn't notice, but Kat noticed, my wife noticed, was that the book started out in a navy blue and the pages got lighter to a purple mm. as they went. So like the idea of, you know, sort of shedding some of that darkness, um, which I totally didn't pick up on in Kat was like, that's the first thing she noticed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting how we yeah. how we take different things away. Um but I, I really, lo- I really love that book. I think I, it's probably better for, you know, older, older kids, um, or someone who, like, I would probably read it to a kid who either is experiencing depression, or maybe has someone in their life with depression. It's not necessarily one that I would just pick off the shelf. Um, but and I think because it doesn't have the picture the pictures as well, it's just sort of geared towards older kids and the content of it i but love I what really you
1: said like- about oh. the sorry i, I just want to jump in to give you a compliment like mm-hmm. i love that that notion that it doesn't have pictures but it's like ripe with imagery yeah like, that really profound like that blew my mind when you said that yeah
0: it was it's really it was really interesting to me that even though it doesn't have sometimes the lack of pictures it, it allows us to have an imagination it, it makes me think of when i read a book uh before it's turned into a tv show and i have my idea in my head of what the characters look like and what you know what this world looks like and then you know and then of course they put it on to a tv show in a movie and you're like that's not what that character looked like in my head um (laughs) (laughs) but uh but so i think there's something about when we don't have pictures it also allows us to have a little bit more of that imagination um Mm-hmm. But I I appreciated that it was own voices, my sort of way to go. or so that it was own voices. I like, I actually like that it speaks directly to the kid and that it asks questions. Um, you know, I'm I always like books that sort of build in the question asking because it's one less step for the grown ups. <laughs> <laughs> to to have to pause and be like, do you see what's happening here? Um, so it's kind of it's kind of nice that it's built in. Um, there's also a lot of back matter. There's front matter as well, um, even before you read it, uh, sort of preparing you to talk about some, kind of such a serious topic with, topic with kids. Um, I told you my my favorite line that I love so much, um, and then that the pages the pages get lighter as it goes on. I thought was a really neat um, sort of graphic uh choice um the only thing honestly the only like quote-unquote room to grow and it's not even like necessarily room to grow because it was intentional is that like the, the fact that it doesn't have illustrations might put some people off i guess um but i you know again i think i think that this is a book to read with a purpose i don't think that As opposed to some of the, you know, which I'll get into later, but some of the other books that I chose, I think you could just pull off the shelf. I think this is one where more you would have a a reason for reading it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, it's less of like a flowery story that needs illustrations. Um, But that's, but I could see somebody, you know, being like, oh, I want a book with pictures for my child, I guess. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I could see a question like, who's the audience for this? Mm -hmm. But. Um, but like you said, like it's a book that you kind of and, and they say this book is meant to be read with a grown-up and a child. And yes. they kind of put that in, up front. Um, like like you said, it's it's a book to to come to use as a tool to have open mm-hmm. up a discussion and a conversation and an understanding rather than a story that is kind of incidentally including. Say, yeah, a character absolutely. With and I really, you know,
0: I like. I like that it it says that in the beginning it's where is it that it's like hold on I think it's in the very beginning oh it's it says better together this book is best read together grown up and kid
1: <laughs> um, I'm kind, like I'm saying. kind of scrolling through on my phone the pdf that you sent um and it was the first thing that popped up on that pdf
0: yeah but it's in like the very yeah. beginning, which I think is great. And there's like a little intro um, that says like, hey, grown up, I know delving into the subject of depression can feel like jumping off a diving board into the oceans of unknown. I hope you know what your willingness to discuss this topic with your kid opens up a safe space and place of compassion as you navigate these waters together. Um, and so I, and there's a little bit more in that intro, but I really appreciate it's like kind of getting you ready, <laughs> pumping you up to talk yeah. about something that's a little serious you know
1: and it's really and well said
0: you, you know it's yeah giving you those kudos for talking about tricky stuff because mm-hmm. it's hard you know especially like if you i mean regardless of what the situation is whether you are an adult who suffers from depression and has a kid in your life or whether the kid is you know potentially suffering from depression and i think that um either way it's still you know a vulnerable spot to put yourself in and I appreciate that this book is like good on you <laughs> <laughs> um but anyway yeah so that's what I liked about that one I definitely recommend that probably for older kids and like I was saying for you know uh, situationally not maybe just one I would pull off the shelf mm-hmm. um so there the next book i want to talk about actually was recommended to me by the author of the princess in the fog lloyd jones who i had Mm -hmm. on um, for the episode about depression um and he recommended another book um that was from jessica kingsley publishing who we love here Mm -hmm. um and it was and it's called not today celeste and that's by uh written and illustrated by liza stevens and it is basically the person, it's from the perspective of a dog whose owner has depression. Um, so basically, you know, Celeste, Celeste is the dog. And she starts out by talking about, you know, her, how life with her human, you know, she talks a little bit about life with her human Rupert. Um, and uh, then one day, you know, there's, she calls it the something different. There's a, there's a something different about Rupert. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't, you know, all of a sudden he doesn't want to take her. He doesn't have the energy to take her for walks and play with her and he forgets to feed her sometimes. And, you know, even sometimes he forgets to eat himself and, um, and, and at one point, you know, he even yells at her and she's like, Rupert never yelled at me before, you know, something's really wrong. And did I, you know, is it my fault? And, um, you know, all of these kinds of really valid thoughts that I think we have sometimes. And uh, then, she's outside and there's a neighbor and the neighbor's dog and they notice that celeste is sad and so then they come they come and they talk you know the 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 neighbor talks to rupert and the dogs play together (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um and so they and then the neighbor sort of explains to celeste what's going on and that (laughs) that he um that, you know, he's not feeling well, it's, but it's not like he's, has a stomach ache or something, you know, it's his sort of feelings and, you know, his brain that are not feeling well, and this is what's going on. And, uh, and so at the, and so, you know, slowly but surely Rupert's talking to people and he gets help and he, you know, gets better. And then at the end it says, I worried the depression might come back, but if, but, but if it does, it won't be something different anymore. Rupert and I will know what to do um so again it has that what I appreciate about uh, I will not recommend a book that has a happy ending when it comes to depression <laughs> because there's no such thing when you have chronic depression like it um not to say that you can't have a happy ending with chronic depression but you know what I mean where it there's always the chance that it's going to come back um right. and so I always like books that have the ending of now we know what to do we have the tools Um, Absolutely. And the support system for if it does come back. So I appreciated that about this book. Um, I also really appreciated that it, um, I think, right, there are, as opposed to a kid's book about depression that focuses on the person suffering from depression, I think it's also really valid that experience of the people around that it affects. Um, and so I, because I think, right, if if it's a child, if we're talking about a child who has a grown up with depression, I think that a lot of those feelings that Celeste is feeling, um, you know, like thinking, is it my fault? Did I do something, you know, or, you know, there's a page where she's saying she feels lonely, sad, angry, worried, scared. And I think a lot of those things are things that, you know, are relatable, um, when someone, when someone in your life is going through depression. And so I appreciated that perspective on it as well. Right. So Um, the
1: the Celeste is sort of the proxy for the child in this story. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: and, and, when when the friend when the neighbor does notice and she she tells Celeste it's nobody's fault so not even like it's not your fault but like it's nobody's fault it's not mm-hmm. Rupert's fault it's not anyone's fault and I appreciated that um, those that was those were sort of my little way to goes for that um, literally the only thing I have for room to grow was just it, so the the author is uh, British and they the way that they phrased something in the book when when they were explaining him having depression they like when the neighbor was explaining to Celeste she she explained it as him being poorly and I was like that's just not something we say in American (laughs) English um but I'm guessing that's a British expression Right. right um but so that was literally the only thing I had to say was that it that's something that you would probably have to maybe if you were you know an american english speaker maybe have to change a little bit or explain to the child what that meant mm-hmm. um it's not totally universally uh, understood so um I and, and
1: i haven't been able to see um i haven't been able to get my hands on this title yet is there is there much diversity is there much representation So
0: unfortunately, uh, there is not, um, the, both Rupert and the neighbor are white.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, the dogs are different colors. (laughs) (laughs) That does not count. (laughs) We all know. (laughs) Um, but I am, I am assuming, I, I mean, no. That's not. It's not like they don't have diversity in England. Right. (laughs) So I don't know. There are lots of people. (laughs) So I don't even. I take back that thought. I don't know why. Why they chose. um, Why they chose to make everyone white? But that. Yeah. That's that is also a a room to grow for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Missed opportunity is a good way of putting it, Um, because really, there's no reason why anyone in this story can't be you know has to be white it has nothing to do with anything right um and could i mean i feel like could could take place in many different places could be you know what i mean like it feels like a story that you could plop in different settings and it could be about different kinds of people um so yeah that was definitely a missed opportunity i think um but other than that I th- i don't have too many bad things to say about it i really I really liked it, and I liked I liked the perspective of the dog. I thought that was a, I always like a unique perspective mm-hmm. um, from a book, and I thought that was a cute, uh, a cute way of um, again, like you were saying, you know, the kid. I think kids could still connect to it and be like, "Oh, I feel like Celeste is feeling," without it having to be about a child,
1: right?
0: Um, which I always think is fun. And then uh, my last one before I shut up. Uh, it is called Maybe Tomorrow and that's by uh, Charlotte Agel? Agel who knows not me um, <laughs> and it was uh, illustrated by Anna Ramirez Gonzalez and that was published by Scholastic hmm. um, and basically yeah this one a couple of people I posted on Facebook groups um, to see if people had suggestions and a couple of people recommended this one to me and Uh, I thought it was really sweet. This is a little more of a whimsical one. Um, It's more of a story that has to, where one of the characters, you know, is dealing with Um, what could be seen as depression grief a lot of different things Um, but anyway so it's about this uh, this hippopotamus elba and she's carrying around this big black block with her that's like kind of attached to a string and there's uh, an alligator norris and he wants to be her friend and uh you know, and he he sort of asks her, "Oh, do you want to go on a picnic with me?" He just like shows up and it's like, "Hey, I want to go on a picnic with me," you know, yeah. like you do. Like we did and, before uh, the pandemic. Uh, now that's very yes, exactly. foreign.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, and so, and she says, "Oh, maybe tomorrow," you know, and uh, and he says, "You know, oh, what's what's in that box?" And she's like, "Oh, it's not it's not a box; it's a block." And he's like, "Oh, I feel it feels like there's something sad in there that wants to get out." and uh and she and she's like well how could we get it out and they're sort of you know are thinking and thinking and they can't really figure it out so they say okay maybe tomorrow and um and they you know just this it sort of keeps going in this cycle where they keep spending spending time together and doing different things and saying oh you know maybe maybe tomorrow we'll be able to figure that out and uh and eventually they decide to go to the seaside um and You know, Elba's like, well, you know, I'd like to go, but I, you know, I, my block is too heavy. And so Mm -hmm. Norris offers to help her carry the block. Um, And on the way, what I really liked is it said they talked and didn't talk. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, those like, those like poignant silences of just like, we can be together and just be quiet and it's not awkward. Um, And so on the way there as they're talking and not talking. um, (laughs) One of the things that Elba starts to talk about is how she, uh, she lost a friend. It doesn't, it isn't clear if the friend moved away, if the friend passed away. um, But you know, that she lost a friend and uh, is talking about this and, you know, Norris is listening. And when they arrive, they notice that the block is smaller and lighter. Um, And, you know, she, at one point, she says, You know, I'll, I'll always have this block. And Nora says, It's okay, because I'll help you carry it sometimes. Um, and then the next day, at the end of the book, the next day, Nora asks her if she wants to go on a picnic. And she says, Yes. Mm. Um, so it's a very sweet little story. Um, I really like uh, the idea that she might always have the block. Again, that sort of same narrative of if it comes back or if I, you know, when I'm feeling down, but I now have coping mechanisms Um, and sharing that burden with a friend or talking about it might help, help make it more smaller or lighter, you know, make it more bearable. Um, And, uh, oh, Oh, and there was, there was a, a part where in the, in the very beginning he asks her if, um, you know, she, he, she, he asks if she wants to go on a picnic and she says, no. And he says, well, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I just want to sit here with my block. And he says, is it fun? And she says, no, <laughs> you know, and he's like, well, then why are you doing it? And uh, you know, and I, that really resonated with uh, with my wife and her experience having depression. Mm-hmm. And I read this to her because like, there are times where she'll just like kind of sit and do nothing and like doesn't have the energy to do anything. And it's like, are you enjoying what you're doing? And she's like, no, but like, I don't know what else to do, you know? Right, and
1: right. so I
0: thought that was a really like real um, sort of thing to represent. And I also really liked that they talked and didn't talk um, because sometimes you just want someone to be near you, you
1: exactly. know, you don't
0: need someone to be actively uh, you know, trying to make you feel better, but just being near someone. And and at, at the very at the very end of the book, also there's the when they're at the seaside. One of the things about Norris is that he's always he's very he's described as being very shiny and like always has butterflies around him. There's these butterflies that follow him around everywhere. And when they're at the seaside, some of the butterflies start to fly away, and Elba shouts, "Come back!" And Norris says, "It's okay. Sometimes we have to let things go." Um.
1: Ah.
0: and also also the illustrations are just really gorgeous Uh, but it was just a really, really beautiful book Um, I really enjoyed it and I highly recommend it I think my only sort of room to grow is I think you might have to do a little more work to connect the dots than a book that's like, this is what depression is Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, again not necessarily a bad thing um, but just a consideration depending on who you're reading this book to and why you're reading this book Um, and I think like for me, I read it a little. It, I mean, you can interpret it a lot of different ways. I guess it. It. I feel like it was probably intended to be more about loss um, than or in grief than it was about depression. But I think the analogy still works.
1: Oh, absolutely! Um, it seems like it could yeah. work. Like it is a little bit open ended and can work for kind yeah, of, all of for those a lot feelings. of
0: things. Yeah, absolutely. Which is what I like about it. You know, I think it's interesting because there's. On the one hand, I love books that are like, "This is depression. This is what depression is." Boom, you know. But but it's also nice to have books that are open ended and can be used for all sorts of different different things, you know.
1: Right, and we need all of we need all of them on our bookshelves yeah. so that we normalize that experience and totally. give children and grown ups the tools to to feel confident seeking the supports that they that they need totally. and getting it. And I known. think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's nice about this one is that I think you
0: could just have it on the bookshelf and pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think this needs to, and I think similarly, you could, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, rather, you could also have a kid who's experiencing, you know, depression, grief, whatever, fill in the blank, and you get, you know, read this book about that. But I think you could just read a book about it and talk about, you know, the experiences of the characters. And I think it could be a nice window into just talking about how, Hey, this is something that some people experience.
1: Right. And it's like, we talk about um, we talk and just thinking about how to give children the, the, a way to talk about what they're experiencing. I'm thinking about using how this book might work in a classroom and how different different students, different kids would have different blocks. You know, blocks of different sizes, and what's in their block, and is their block yeah. happy today? Um, and how that could even
0: be like friend. a friend. That could even be like a cute check-in, right? Right. Like, is you know, how's your block today? <laughs>
1: right. Exactly. I mean, we talk, you know, we do we talk about filling buckets, we talk about baggage, yeah. like having these kind of metaphors. Um, can help kids learn to articulate. I mean, starting with kind of a concrete m- moving, taking something that, that is both abstract, but giving it kind of a concrete concept yeah. um, will give them the opportunity to figure out how to talk about these, these things more yeah, eloquently. Honestly, well, that's eloquently. something I, I yeah. wish, like once I entered the queer community, where
0: generally speaking, we're very, much about like in communal spaces like if I'm at support groups or dance classes or you know whatever I uh, you know I'm thinking specifically of uh, a play that I was in uh, that was all queer folks and I think that those spaces tend to be really accepting and understanding about and just inviting about, like, talking about how we're feeling, and like, hey, like, if you can't do this dance move, like, don't sweat it. If you need to just sit and watch, like, that's fine. If you need to just make a, an accommodation to that, like, that's, you know, make, um, you know, a change to that, like, that's fine. And I think in general, for, you know, for some reason, queer spaces are really good at doing that, (laughs) probably because we all have mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But anyway, I was at a in a play at one point and what we would do that every day when we would come in for rehearsal we would say you know like how are you coming into the space today how are you feeling you know whether it was just I had a bad day I have a headache my back hurts you know or positive it could be positive things I'm thinking of all negative things
1: <laughs> or or um, you could have butterflies flying around you like yes yeah. exactly
0: or you could just be like I had a great you know I had a great day today but just so that we know and how everyone's coming into the space. I mean, and also, you know, don't personalize, right? I think it's really easy if someone's in a bad mood to think that it's our fault mm-hmm. or like it's something we're doing. And so if I know, hey, Jeremy had a bad day, it's not on me if they're acting a little sullen, right? Right, right. Um, if I make a
1: joke and they don't respond the way yeah, that I exactly. respond and that I don't need to take it personally and think it's about me, right, right. Right,
0: absolutely think we can start doing that kind of stuff with kids like as a classroom exercise i think that would be awesome Mm -hmm. to do for like circle time every day to be like hey how is everybody feeling today because i think that like that's something that i didn't learn until i was an adult like how to really be in touch with my feelings and i think it's all about like right we want kids to be able to manage their feelings and um and i think acknowledging them and trying to figure out like how am i feeling right now like i just remember i was at a therapy session semi recently, like within the last year. And my my uh therapist is asking, you know, when this happens, how do you feel? And I literally was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like I literally don't know. Like it's hard to you know put myself in that moment and think about like what am I feeling, you know? And I think that the earlier we can get that going, it's so important, mm-hmm. you know, to build those skills.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, And I do want to give a shout out. I love the art in this book and I want to give a shout out to Ana Ramirez Gonzalez. I'm reading, I'm reading about her work right now. Um, And she has a book coming out that she illustrated. She has a book coming out in June by Mm -hmm. Mina Harris called Kamala and Maya's Big Idea. And she illustrated um, the, she worked, she was a visual artist on Pixar's Coco and she illustrated Canyon picture book Coco and Miguel in the Grand Harmony so she is um, an amazing illustrator and it looks like she was from um, uh, Guanajuato Mexico and currently lives in Oakland California so she's another oh, wow. Bay area for uh, <laughs> you're all
0: over there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's awesome yeah I always I mean although obviously these characters were animals um, so race didn't necessarily come into play I always like to see you know just diverse cast of illustrators and uh writers and Mm -hmm. you know it's nice to see
1: absolutely but yeah
0: but yeah the illustrations are really beautiful it's a really cute book yeah made me weep made me weep so therefore it's good (laughs) 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 that's the standard yep yep (laughs) oh my gosh test is Seth crying? Anyway, <laughs> is Seth crying?
1: Um, oh my gosh. But anyway, I'd love to hear about your books. Okay. Um, well, uh, w- one book, I'm not going to go too deeply into it right now, but I did want to give a shout out to Virginia Wolf by um, mm-hmm. Kyle McClear, illustrated by Isabel Arsenault um, and published in 2012 by Kids Can Press. Um, this is a title that um, we reviewed or I reviewed pretty previously on season one, episode four um, on our way to go room to grow episode on invisible disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does, I'll, I'll just say that it does uh, follow kind of a um, it's uh, inspired by the story of um, author Virginia Woolf and her relationship with her sister, um, her artist sister. And um, it is a night, it it I hasn't, I like, I think it's a beautiful book, and I like it for its kind of representation of feeling wolfish and just having kind of um, bad feelings that come out of nowhere and can't be solved. Um, Mm. And throughout the book, um, her sister is asking kind of, isn't there something that can make everything feel better? And um, uh, that is just simply not the case. And yeah, I, I wish, right.
0: <laughs> um, and we also, nice.
1: But we do also have that the moment of two quiet lumps under the blanket when her sister just kind of decides to just be present with her. Mm-hmm. Um So we have that, like, like we talked about the importance of just being together and not, not trying to solve the problem because it's, it's an unsolvable problem in a lot mm. of ways. Um and, I like and just being together like we were talking about before too. Yeah, yeah. Um and then there's a neat little metaphor tucked in about that Virginia Woolf um the sister herself kind of introduces um because in the book um her sister ultimately paints this big mural of a garden to try to kind of lift her sister's mm. spirits. Um and Virginia Woolf Virginia, in the, char- the character of Virginia in the story, says um, talks about a gray-shelled snail that passed along the earth and reached the top of the mountain without realizing it. Mm. And it's just a, a quiet little moment in the book where they're describing this, this beautiful piece of art. But to me, it really captured this idea that um, sometimes... Depression is, is something that you just have to move through and you can do or, mm. or not, right? Like sometimes you you're unable to do so. but the idea of of moving through it incrementally, but like mm. getting to a better place like not in leaps and bounds, not this magic solution, but just like incrementally kind of getting to a new place yeah. um, like like a snail and then suddenly realizing that you maybe are on the other side for, for that for a little while. For sure. Um, so I thought that was a neat little moment tucked in. Um, some of the my rooms to grow for the book are that in the morning in this particular story, Virginia, the wolfish sister does wake up feeling better, mm-hmm. and kind of like smile sheepishly for like causing such a fuss mm-hmm. the day before, which mm. I, that's where the kind of the metaphor about depression falls apart for me. And I do see a more of a story of two sisters and maybe one, one sister that's more mercurial and and more kind of volatile. And we all kind of have those people in our lives that kind of bring big emotions to the table. Um, and so in that respect, I think it, but the, the the allegory of depression falls apart kind of with this idea that yeah. in the morning it can be sunshine and roses again. And you feel kind of silly that you felt, you know, like, like there was a little bit of, um, I would have loved to see even if just the line about feeling sheepish had been, el- had been eliminated. So there was no mm. kind of shame around the feeling. Um, That would have been a little bit stronger for me. So yeah, uh, totally. yeah, but, but so this book is not a perfect allegory or perfect metaphor for depression, but it is a really beautiful book about, about sisterhood and wanting figuring out how to be there for your sister Um. And a, a book about uh, that does normalize kind of m- the more kind of negative emotions, right? Like that yeah, you can wake up, no wolfish, and that's that's okay. Yeah. So for Virginia Woolf, I think that that ultimately, I think it's a lovely book. I think it works as something to just have on your bookshelf. The art is exquisite. The messaging is is very lovely and kind of poignant and profound. I would want to end by reiterating with, with my child reader, um, that it is also okay to not wake up feeling better and that, that, that can, that's, that's, that's something that happens too, um, and to just kind of talk about wolfishness and, and how it's <laughs> something that we all experience from time to time in, in various yeah, forms yeah. and various degrees. So the next book that I want to talk about, um, it was originally published in the UK Mm -hmm. um, as When Sadness Comes to Call. Mm -hmm. And then, and I know that you, you mentioned that that you prefer when stories are a little bit like not just about sadness, but I do think I I bear with me. I'll talk about why I think that this book is a valuable, a valuable one to have around. (laughs) Um, And then it was published. So it was published in 2019 as when sadness comes to call. And then in um, through Anderson press, which is um, I think part of Penguin. And then in the United States, it was published by random house as when sadness is at your door. Mm -hmm. Um and the illustrations, it was published. it was written and illustrated by Eva Eland, who is a, um, a Dutch native living in the u k. Mm. And um her illustrative style has been likened to um, like uh, Crockett Johnson, who did the purple the the purple crayon. Yes. Um, but also, um she has a whole list. She's like, of the kind of children's literature world and has a whole list of inspirations, including Sean Tan, um, whose books I'll be featuring next um, as well as many, many others. (laughs) Um, So um, this, I think blue was her debut picture book when sadness Mm. comes to call. And it is a story. it It is a story of a kind of personification of sadness as this big, blue soft curvy blob with kind of a sad face um and uh and it begins it's a very simple like very simple text um Mm -hmm. um but really beautiful play interplay between the text and illustrations um but it begins with sadness kind of knocking at the door um and talks about and says when sadness comes to call, um, you can try to hide it. Um, essentially, it's the story of kind of of how you might react when you feel sadness, and then instead some suggestions about what to do um, when you when you're experiencing sadness. And so, hmm. so one of the one of the spreads that I really love. Um, says it, it it sits so close to you you can hardly breathe. And there's this mm. illustration of a long, a long sofa with a little child sitting in the corner and sadness, this big, this big hulking, um, sadness, <laughs> big hulking, soft sadness, kind of just sitting. It's very soft, end, isn't and, it? Yes, like sitting uncomfortably close, like uh, on top of encroaching upon this this little child. Um And it says, you can try to hide it, but it feels like you've become sadness yourself. Um, and And then the story says, try not to be afraid of sadness. Give it a name. Listen to it. Ask where it comes from and what it needs. And I really loved that idea of encouraging a child to name, like, Name their emotion, not not only to name the emotion of sadness, but to kind of name maybe what's behind sadness, why that feeling is occurring, and um, just like we're talking about, giving children tools to 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 talk about and name and understand their emotions. Um, and then it goes on to suggest um, basically treating sadness with kindness. And, and 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 grace and finding something that that you both enjoy um maybe going for a walk taking sadness outside with you and going for a walk in nature drinking hot cocoa um just Can i um interject for a minute yeah yeah
0: the other thing that i liked about the idea of naming sadness was like and this is sort of taking it a different direction but i know that that's also something that my wife does and this is like an actual well like uh therapy tool to like put a like a physical name to like that voice that's telling you bad things Mm -hmm. so like for example for my wife like we we call her the old lady with the bun it's like (laughs) this mean little old lady and that's who's saying all those negative things because it's much easier to say hey go screw you to somebody else than it is to yourself um you know what I mean like it's easier to say don't say those mean things about me to somebody else than it is when it's your own voice um and so I like that idea too of taking it in that direction
1: yeah and I think that that what I want to I'll get into in my in my way to go like just the idea of this personification and how powerful that is for that very reason um and so right so it's and and there's also this idea of sitting quietly and not speaking like maybe you don't speak Mm. the same language as your sadness and maybe you just need to be together and just create space for it to be um and then the story kind of closes um with um maybe all it wants is to know that it is welcome and to sleep knowing it is not alone. Um and then there is a, a second page and it's interesting because in some of the read aloud versions I saw this page was skipped and I wonder if that huh. was a, was a choice, like the final page was skipped in one of the read alouds, and I wondered if that was a mistake or if it was a choice. Or if mm. there are actually different versions, I haven't pin that down, yeah. but um, it didn't seem like there was. But but um, it does say, when you wake up, it might be gone. Don't worry, today is a new day. Which again, like Virginia Woolf, kind of moves into this territory that like, and poof, it can magically you'll feel better.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: which I, I think is. Um, on some level, a reassuring idea for children, like you're having a bad day today, you're feeling bad today, like get a good night's sleep and let's see how you feel in the morning. Like there's, that's valid. Um, It definitely doesn't speak to chronic depression or kind of the experience of depression. Um, Absolutely.
0: And I think that's funny because I think someone recommended that book to me and I think that's why I chose not to. That's why, right. And so- I mean, not to say that the the books that do that aren't valid. It's just like it makes more work <laughs> for you, right. the reader, to so then I have to back
1: check and be like, "Well, actually." Well, but in this case, what you can actually do is just skip that final spread and end <laughs> with the where it says, "Maybe all at once is to know that it is welcome and to sleep knowing it is not alone." Right, mm. because it's that kind of a powerful. Yeah,
0: and that's thing. a wonderful ending. That seems like it should be the ending. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So there you can do some editorial, make some editorial choices in your read aloud and save yourself a page (laughs) of reading and end on a more inclusive uh, note. Um, So I guess I would say that would be my room to grow for this book is that that last spread. um, Mm. If, if one was using this specifically as a tool to talk about depression, that last spread wouldn't be um, necessarily helpful. Um. But in terms of uh, way to go, I like we've been talking about this personification of sadness, I think is like this idea that it it can be something like outside of yourself, but also something to care for, like something almost to to, like to honor, right, to honor and to listen to and to find um, the idea of self care. Right, so going on a walk and drinking cocoa—these are self-care things. But you're also trying to care for this emotion that you're having. Um, You're trying to to um, show it some love, right? Yeah. So I thought that that was—I
0: like that idea as opposed to just like shoving it away or hiding it. Like it sort of talks about, you know, or that it's like a bad thing to be sad,
1: right? Right. And that's what I wanted to speak to this personification, because there is um, this incredible book called Picture This, How Picture Books Work by Molly Bang. Mm. And I can guarantee you, because I know that this uh, this author, illustrator, Eva Eland, went through um, a children's literature illustration course um, and... I think, she. I believe she got her master's in children's literature illustration or something like Mm -hmm. that, which is, I also received my master's in that work, not in illustration, but in children's literature. And so Mm -hmm. I, 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 it makes me think that she has read Picture This by Molly Bang, because everything that Molly Bang says about the way that, that illustration kind of evokes emotion in us is so resonant in the way that, that Eland has chosen to personify sadness as this, the curves, right? Like it's not a sharp angular thing. It's this soft, soft. yes, soft kind of unassuming, but large. So like present, but not aggressive. Um, and its body language—it's—it yeah, just all of these soft curves. So its size is kind of formidable, but it's also something that feels manageable. And the color is not like a deep, deep navy or like a dark color. It's this warm, soft teal. Um, so I thought that that was a really um, valuable choice for for helping young children kind of think about sadness and think about and how to care for
0: about sadness. even the, the, the moment where it's like that one um, image of sadness, sort of like on top of the kid mm-hmm. um, makes me think it, like, I've, I feel like it would feel like a weighted blanket.
1: <laughs> like
0: that was like the imagery that I was getting, like not necessarily bad, but just like heavy.
1: I like that. Um, I know that the author, I, I read a couple of interviews that we can include in the show notes. And I know that Eland um, worked with, with one of her mentors on this spread and wanted um, kind of the feeling that it there it's, there's the, the sadness is kind of un- unwelcome and like taking up space in a way that's uncomfortable. But I think that you're absolutely right, that there's something about almost, um, Oh, I love that imagery of the way that's <laughs> brilliant. And it made me think when I'm looking at it, like, it seems like a big lumbering friend that just wants a hug, right? Like it's 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 kind just of just has like- boundary issues. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh
0: this is how I want to hug. I just sort of drape myself on you. <laughs> like I don't want to hug right now. Gosh, I just want to be right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So i thought, I thought that this book was really, um, really sweetly done. Um, I liked the messaging, except for that final page that we talked about, although that mm-hmm. there is there is space for that page, but not if you're talking about depression necessarily. Um, and so, yeah, I think that this is, this was one for the rotation as part of the yeah. arsenal of, of books to talk about emotions and to help children name them and understand them.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: yeah. 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 Um, yeah. All right, and I have two more. Do we have time for me to have two more? Sure, have two more. Okay, so these next two are more specifically um, about depression. And Mm -hmm. both of them are, well, one of them is almost wordless and one of them is is absolutely wordless. Um, So these both come Mm -hmm. out of, I'll I'll talk about them separately, but there is a reason that I'm I'm kind of coupling them. Um, The Mm -hmm. first is The Red Tree by Sean Tan. And Shantan is an Australian author, illustrator, artist. Um, And The Red Tree was published originally um, by Lothian um, in 2001. And then also was published um, in a trilogy or a trio, I guess, of stories in the United States um, in the the book Lost and Found. Um, And I don't... Oh, by Arthur A. Levine Books, Mm. which is part of, I believe, part of Scholastic um and so the red tree is um kind of began with um it's a series of of these very like like intricate surreal paintings that feature a young yeah, There, it reminds me of like almost like
0: dolly-esque
1: yeah yes yes like there's something very surrealist about it yes yeah. like a the giant there's a, a spread with a giant fish um it's a giant snail too yeah oh the the ticking off of the marks on this nautilus well yeah. it's it's very profound and so it is the it um it is the, the experience of a of a young child who I believe Chantan um, refers to as a girl, a redheaded girl who just wakes up and feels it. It feels um, well. It opens with someday. Sometimes the day begins with nothing to look forward to, and things go from bad to worse. Darkness overcomes you. Nobody understands, um, and so these these phrases are coupled with these very um, profound images of this, this person just feeling very lost and encountering all sorts of kind of strange things. Um, Although there is one interesting, there's a spread where, where she looks inside and she sees a light bulb on inside of her. Mm. And I I thought it was interesting that that, at that moment in this, even, even though the kind of the, the trajectory of the story is that she is going to kind of sink deeper and deeper into this into this existential experience. Um she does notice this light bulb inside of her. And then the languaging starts to talk less about maybe her internal feelings and more about the world, right? So like there's this yeah. idea that like the world um like wonderful things are passing you by. The world is a scary place. Um I'm not, now I'm now I'm paraphrasing. But um, <laughs> and and um, the at the very end, at the very, very end of the story, after this series of um, really incredibly complex and, and weird and wonderful and slightly scary um, haunting images, um, it says, but suddenly there it is right in front of you, bright and vivid and quietly waiting. Um, and then there is a picture of this tiny red tree, like this tiny little sapling in she's returned to her home, to her room. And there's this tiny red tree. And then in the next, the next spread, um, there is a larger red tree that has grown. Um, and it says, just as you imagined it would be. Um, Mm. and she has like a tiny little smile on her face and, um, while at first glance, it might seem like that is echoing the the kind of the pattern of these other stories that end on a hopeful note um, or end with like, and then you wake up and everything might be okay. Like after <laughs> a night's sleep, I feel like something really different is going on here. Um, it really seems to me to echo more of the, um, like what I've read um, in like Hyperbole and a Half with Allie. Um, mm-hmm. What is Allie's last name? Oh gosh. Um, That's a great question. <laughs> have uh, Allie. Oh, come on. Allie Broch. Um, Thank you. Ali Broch, who did this incredible in 2011 and 2013, her adventures in depression and depression mm-hmm. part two, um, which has been really like, given so much acclaim for being one of the most profound representations of like the experience of depression, like at least up until that point. Um, like, and in that, in, in her kind of depiction of depression, what, what, what kind of flipped a switch for her was lying on crying on the kitchen floor and seeing a tiny kernel of corn under the refrigerator and just thinking about that tiny kernel of corn and something just kind of flips and it just made her laugh and so not that so I don't Seth you can jump in here and help me with this languaging but I just want to I think that there's it's not that this per- this child in the story has just woken up and suddenly feels better, but there is kind of.
0: Uh, yeah, it's like the, the
1: small things that are able to like
0: give you those sparks of hope, but without saying like, well, this tree
1: fixes everything. Right. Right. And it's also like- right because there's been kind of weird and wonderful things throughout the story. And just in this moment, um, there is that tight yeah like you're saying this tiny spark of hope or this tiny shift in something inside that suddenly feels a little bit better and like also I don't know I think it speaks to the idea that like you can be depressed
0: or be sad and still find happiness in things like I don't know it's just making me think about when we were on our honeymoon cat uh, had a panic attack and I just like didn't know what to do so I showed her videos of screaming goats
1: on YouTube
0: (laughs) and it helped because she was laughing and you know I was but I was just like I don't know what to do here's some screaming goats on YouTube um but it's like you can still you can literally be in the middle of a panic attack and laughing you know what I mean like right it's not to say that just because you're sad or you're depressed doesn't mean that you can't smile or you know find those
1: things of hope well said. Yes. So <laughs> red tree. This tiny red tree is the screaming goat or the kernel of corn in this moment for this person, um, and I just think it's 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 beautifully done. Um. And so I don't think that I have. I can't think of a room uh, a room to grow for this book. I think that it just um, it's uh, unusual. And I think was probably a little bit ahead of its time being published originally in 2001. Oh, wow. And um, Yeah, I mean, I would say like, maybe, maybe
0: the illustrations might be a little scary to some kids. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, it absolutely. Um, it's the only
0: thing I can think of being like a little bit surreal the way that it is.
1: I could see having it. And I know that um, Sean Tan was very much inspired by um, the mysteries of Harris Burdick by um by the polar express person oh this is like embarrassing <laughs> <laughs> like chris van alsberg here let, let's cut all of that out i'm gonna say that again <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna say i'm gonna say again um yeah i think like uh it is the the illustrations could be be viewed could be they do borderline on creepy in some ways, you know, um, but I know that Chantan was very much influenced by the mysteries of Harris Burdick by Chris Van Alsberg, um, Mm -hmm. which is a series of kind of, um, images that all do have a little bit of, um, something a little bit off kilter in them with just a, with just one, one phrase, like one statement. Um, and so it's a, it's a book that, 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 The Mysteries of Harris Burdick is a book that's used um, a lot in classrooms to um, to prompt story starters. Um, Mm. The pictures don't necessarily hang together, um, although they could if you're feeling very inventive. And so Chantan wanted to kind of create a series of of visual, a kind of evocative, provocative images. Um, But then kind of moved from that concept to having them sort of tell this narrative I was trying to figure out what it was that this book
0: reminded me of uh, illustration wise and there's a game I don't know if you're familiar with it Uh, it's called Dixit it's Mm -hmm. a board game and they have these very very similar to these kinds of illustrations and uh it's just cards with these beautiful paintings, these like mm-hmm. beautiful surrealist paintings on them and you have to you could honestly probably play with kids, but basically like it's sort it's the kind of game where like you I can't remember if it's you want people to pick your card or you don't want people to pick your card <laughs> but basically it's that kind of like everyone puts out a card like the the word might be you know it might be like message it's like something kind of vague and everyone puts out these sort of surreal paintings and you have to try and figure out who was the person who like put the original card down oh,
1: um, but yeah. but anyway
0: it's yeah it's really neat but it, that's what the, that's
1: what these illustrations remind me of well I think that's exactly like that comp- that's totally aligned with with exactly where Sean Tam was coming from and kind of um, the inspiration from Harris Burdick and then wanting to create kind of yeah these these pictures that make you think um and so um i i wonder uh, with the idea that it could be scary for children i wonder mm. if having the having the book on the shelf and having it just as a piece of almost as a piece of art to explore yeah um, independent of this the narrative that really is so sort of in some ways bleak um, but also very profound and, and will resonate with many um, having it as, as a work of art that a child can explore kind of independent of the of the of the particular narrative that that tan wove in and then introduce the narrative later Um because I think that that the coupling of the of the of the narrative thread and the illustrations um, is pretty sophisticated and could be sort of sort of scary, yeah. Um, or it, it could make a child feel absolutely seen and heard, even a younger child. <laughs> well, Who's funny. to say? Right. <laughs> um, and so the final book that I wanted to talk about is um, also out of Australia. And it's called hmm. Small Things. Are you familiar hmm. with this one? I'm not. It's called Small Things. It is a graphic novel. It is wordless, and it was it was published in 2018. And the the creator um, is Mel or Melanie um, Tregoning, and Melanie Tregoning began the work, um, but ultimately it was completed by Sean Tan. Um, because Melanie Tergoning died by suicide before the oh. completion of the book. Mm. Um, and so it is um the story, the experience of a child who is experiencing um they say childhood anxiety. But I think that there's room for interpretation within that. Um, But it's the story of a child who you see kind of walking through the school day and not feeling not feeling connected with their peers, Mm. kind of experiencing some social isolation or some social exclusion um, kind of tip typical, I guess one would say maybe middle school or early (laughs) or later elementary school experiences of trying to get in on the joke and the group of children kind of look at you like, who else that you could stand here? Um, Yep. And right. And so um, over the course of the pages, and we do see a a friend reaching out and and wanting to, to spend time with this person and we see them um, being successful in school Um, but we also see teeny tiny little black gremlin creatures starting to take teeny tiny bites out of this child, um, as they're taking a test, suddenly they seem to be being attacked by these teeny tiny little, little dark things. Um, which we can talk about the representation of, of negative emotions with darkness and and how we should really uncouple darkness with, with badness. But in this case, it's these little, little creatures that just begin to take little pieces out of this child as they, as they navigate their day, um, mm. as they do poorly on a test after kind of being very successful in school, as they're walking th- with their peers, um, and they the child notices that he's starting to lose little bits of himself, which um mm. I can see being uh being an allegory for self-harm, um, a metaphor for self-harm. Uh but uh he's arguing with his with his sister, and he's kind of feeling these creatures more and more. These creatures are growing, and they're swirling around him as he tries to sleep. Um, and it just gets, it's, it's, they're just getting enormous and they're, they're kind of chomping away at him until there's almost, almost nothing left. And he's starting to crack and it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very moving and, um, a a little bit scary, a little bit scary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and his sister then on page 28 he is in bed, not sleeping. Um, and his sister comes to the door and she shows him her own cracks. Mm. Right? So he has felt utterly alone in this. And she shows him that she has cracks and she recounts her feelings of, of playing the violin and trying and trying and not feeling successful. Um, and she shares with him her own. this is all wordless. So this is all done through these incredibly powerful images. Um, and as she speaks to him, he kind of becomes a little bit more whole. like you see the you see some things coming back. And um she and he uh, he essentially, you see him going to, seek help from his parents and, and to explain to his parents what, how he's been, what he's been experiencing. And you see him sleeping um, with the, the creatures still swirling around him, but they're no longer nibbling at him. Right. Mm. So, so the, he's having a moment of reprieve from that. And then, um, and then it shows another page of children at school. We've had several pages of kind of groups of kids moving through the space. And now, we see another page um, and we see the little black things kind of um, biting at all of the children. Right. So mm. this, this little boy is starting to realize, or this child, I guess I might sh- I don't think I should gender them, but um, <laughs> this child is, they kind of, it, this child kind of reads as male, but I absolutely shouldn't gender them. It's unclear. Um, he, the, this child starts to notice the cracks, right. Starts to notice that, other children are having these experiences children that he thought had everything to put together are also cracking and um and then on the final spread you see this child reach out and put a hand on the shoulder of another child who's who's also slowly disappearing Um, um in a gesture that reads like hey like let's talk like I'm feeling this too. Mm. Let's let's be quiet together, but I'm feeling this too and this this child has these big wide eyes like
0: mm. is someone going to
1: rescue me or is someone going to see that I'm having this experience too. And so now this our protagonist might be that that person for this other child.
0: And this makes me think about when I was a kid and I was always like you know, in those terrible middle school years, Um, (laughs) when I I would always be, you know, that kid that was sitting alone at lunch or those kinds of things. And like, so I would go out. And if I saw someone else sitting alone, like I would go sit with them, you know what I mean? Right? Like when you have that experience, and then, like, when it shifts to like you being now almost like, you know, the student becomes a teacher kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> right and it's and and the and the final spread our protagonist still has bites out, out of them you know they still yeah. have cracks but they're also reaching out and putting a hand out to someone Yeah else. absolutely um, I love that Yeah so this is an incredibly incredibly moving moving mm. book um it is absolutely exquisitely done I think there's a lot because it's wordless there's kind of room room to kind of talk through yeah a and number of
0: different interpretations right
1: like we talked about with the black block right or the the big yeah like, block which again was the block black we really should stop making bad things dark people come on <laughs> um, but uh uh this so there's a little bit of room to kind of bring your own interpretation of, of of the feelings. Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it grief? Is it worry? Like you know, there's room to talk through a lot of different kind of emotions and ideas with this book. Um, um but it's 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 just very beautifully done. And so Sean Tan came in and helped kind of just just take it to, to the stage of completion so that it could be published and i want to read the the um the dedication Um, the dedication is to mel to mel dragoning who had passed away before the book was published Um, we dedicate this book to you we hope you can now rest your dream became our dream we have all worked so hard we've never loved you more and felt as proud as we do now From Violet, Phil, Mum, and Dad. Mm. So I do strongly recommend Small Things by Mel Tregoning for those people who are on pandemic right now or who are on lockdown. It is available um, through Epic because I'm looking at it on my child's iPad right now. (laughs) So it's available through Epic. Um, The Red Tree is available. There is a beautiful um, kind of YouTube interpretation of the Red Tree but it's also available in the compilation in the United States um, and probably Canada in lost and found three stories by Sean Tan. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, when sadness comes to call and also Virginia Wolf. Well, so it's exciting that there are so many
0: good, good titles about this topic. Absolutely. And it's in a, and it's also nice. Uh, like sort of what we were saying earlier about how there's a combination of, you know, some of them are more literal and some of them are more uh, loose interpretations that could be used for other topics as well. Right. Which is nice. Right. Depending on sort of what your needs are, if, if it's just something that you, if you, want to have just like a book on the shelf, or if you want to, you know, have a sort of a sit down conversation about something, I think it's nice that there's a variety of books.
1: Yeah. And um, the more that we can, have these yeah. in our bookcases and and the more that we share them with our kids, the the more we teach them that <clears throat> all emotions are valid and that there yeah. are supports out there when you're grappling with feelings that are beyond kind of your,
0: yeah. your
1: can and Yeah. And I just know so many
0: adults now who were children with depression who were not taken seriously or felt like they were the only person who was feeling like that, you know, and didn't or just didn't know what to do with those feelings. Similarly to, um, you know, a lot of folks dealing with other, other things like sexual orientation and gender and, you know, where now luckily we have books about those things where hopefully kids can relate to those characters and see themselves in those characters and not feel alone.
1: Right. So, yeah, the more we the more we talk about mental health and the more that we normalize neurodiversity, mm. um, if if we consider depression a form of neurodiversity, um, the more that we can ensure that everyone has the supports and structures they mean they need to feel supported and to thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. So you
0: may notice that there are only two of us here today. Uh, and for the past couple of episodes, there have been um, just Rebecca and I. Uh, so from now on, un- unfortunately, Crystal has left us for the time being. She may come back. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, but as we all know, these times are very wild for everybody. Um and so uh, just a little, little break. So for right now, it's uh, just going to be the two of us. So hopefully, hopefully that's good enough for
1: y'all. And we'll make <laughs> up for it by each talking about many more books than we I know, have apparently. <laughs> Goodness knows today we have many, many books. You won't be so. out on
0: content. Just <laughs> no, absolutely perspective not. Perspective and voice. Yes. Um, but just, uh, just wanted to keep you all posted with uh, where, where we're at with that so i guess we can just close things up uh thank you as always for joining me and uh have a wonderful rest of your day you too